1: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in
0: draft review edition of Take Command. He is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And Logan, let us dive right in. We will go through each and every one of the Commander's picks. We don't have to do like a letter grade per per se, but kind of an overall... Thoughts, grades. We like it. We don't like it on the players selected over the last three days. And also, I think with the way we start, uh, even though we already talked a lot about Emmanuel Forbes, I want to be able to put Forbes in context of the rest of the draft now that we've seen it. And also kind of update uh, because I've watched him more, obviously, uh, now, now that we know he's the guy. You spend a little more time on him. You read a little bit more up on him. And, and I'll say this, at least for me, Logan, like the pick has grown on me tremendously over these mm-hmm. last couple of days. Um, the 166 number is, is the highlight or not the highlight is the headline that, that grabs everyone's yeah. attention. But that was his combine weight. And like if he's if he has the ability to get down to that to run a four three at the combine, fine. Uh, but he ultimately is going to play heavier than that. He probably is already heavier than that. He definitely played heavier than that. And I, I think the biggest thing for me, Logan, is like flipping on the tape you go, all right, which ones, if if you didn't have like the guy circled uh, as a lot of the the tape breakdowns on YouTube and such do, so you you don't find him. You're like, all right, I want you to find Emmanuel Forbes on the field by which one's the skinny guy. You'd have uh, no real shot at doing it. Like he doesn't look small on tape. And I think as silly as that is, because we have the number, like that matters a lot. And it tells me that he plays at a bigger weight. Uh, The size isn't going to be that huge of an issue. And I think also in the context of seeing them draft Quan Martin to play nickel, like this is their outside corner CB one of the future. And I think it's a great selection for that because he's a ball hawk player who the likes they haven't had since at least D'Angelo Hall.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, in the last video, I, like I read some of the comments and some people were like, oh, you guys don't like the pick. Like, I love the pick. You know, I think I said this on the show, like his film is the best of everybody in that top group outside of witherspoon right so he's an excellent football player he's a physical tackler he's instinctive he probably played in the most similar scheme to what washington plays a lot of a lot of zone they th- sprinkle in some man a lot of coverages where you can play with eyes to the quarterback like you mentioned there's the ball production i think the ball production is slightly inflated but i do think it's indicative that he's around the football a lot right has a great recovery speed so I, he, I love the pick. I mean, it's it's a great pick. You know, maybe you could argue at 16, could they have got him if they tried to trade back? They probably could have, but I also think they did try to trade back and it just didn't happen. 100%. And, like we've talked, and, and look, we've I'll, talked, I'll say this about, real
0: quick, Logan. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like no. the Jets very clearly were trying to trade back. They were the pick before. No. Like they used every bit of their time and took a guy that everyone agreed like, ah, it's a good pick, but you, you really like to trade back. The Jets tried. And if they couldn't trade back at 15, why on earth would the commanders have been able to at 16? Like it just, it's not feasible to throw that on them and and downgrade them because they got stuck in their draft slot because there was no one there to trade up for.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think, um, yeah, and so if that's your criticism, I mean, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just can't move the spot. And I know they tried and uh, they just weren't able to. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. If that's your guy, that's your number one guy at that spot, don't trade back. You know what I mean? Like if you, if that's your, if you've tiered that out, he's, he's the number one guy in that tier. Don't trade back. And, and so either way, even if they, if they couldn't, whatever, if that's your number one guy, don't. And so I think like you end up with a really good football player and a guy that's going to hopefully make this defense a lot better. Obviously he's got to come in and play and we got to see what's going on with that. But every indication of his career, of his film, of his interview that we did with him the other day, like he is a guy that's wired appropriately mentally football is very important to him. He's played football at a high level for a very long time. Like it's, I don't want to say it's a surefire thing, but like in, in, in the grand scheme of surefire picks, it's about as surefire as you get. And the only little asterisk is the one sixty-six. And like you said, like he played for four years in the sec at, at a very high level, very physical brand of football, and has no injury history to speak of. Is it three years or four years? Whatever, It's a long three, time. Three years, yeah, yeah, whatever it is, long time. So that's what I would say. Is is, uh, you know, and it, he's already bigger. Like in the interview we did on uh, on our pre-draft coverage when he came in on Saturday, he already said he's one seventy five. So like he's already put on weight. That's probably more close to what he plays at. That's still not a great number, but I think it's a number that you can work with. And I think he's aware he's a guy that's going to take care of himself and get in the right position. So I, I'm, I like, I like the pick a lot basically is the, is the end of that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like it a lot too. And I, I mean, I'm watching him a little bit um, over the weekend. Like you had mentioned, he plays a little high, sometimes plays like a little, you know, forward in his back pedal. And you can see that, right. But you also see it get better and kind of his body control get better over time. Like I watched a couple of cutups, one of which was against Alabama his freshman year against Devante Smith. Well, it didn't go great for Emmanuel Forbes yeah. because Devontae Smith was the Heisman Trophy winner and Emmanuel Forbes was a freshman. But you watch then him against Jamison Williams the next year, and it's a lot better. Yeah. A- and you see him then get his play last year in his final year at Mississippi State. And the technique just continues to get refined over time. You know, the athletic, you know, stuff shows off. And even when he does get a, a little mixed up with some of his footwork, like he's willing to like spin and stuff in space that I don't think is exactly your uh, right. your your textbook technique. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to be spinning with receivers, but he's got the makeup speed that he can, he can get away with some of that stuff. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's controlled and and is he baiting quarterbacks? So he's got to learn if he can do that ever at the NFL level, or is that a part of his game that goes away? Um, he's still going to be around the ball. Uh, he's going to get targeted. That's, that's for sure. That's part of being in the NFL. And, And the question you mentioned, you know, the interception stuff might be a little bit inflated. Um, I'm curious why you say that, but to me, what it says is like if you give him opportunities, he's going to make plays on the ball. Uh, and but I'm curious yeah. why you say that, um, why you think that production might be a little bit inflated.
1: Yeah, I just think like there's some inter- there's some interceptions that are him. You know, like he's making a play. Like there's the play. You know, everyone saw like where he's picking off like a bubble screen that will yeah, Levis, against Kentucky. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean it's a great play. Anticipates the throw, recognizes formation, all those great things. And there's a couple where it's like. Um, you know, he's breaking on the football on the quarterback, you know, it's college quarterback play. So it's not great. Leaves the ball really inside and basically throws it right to him or they're throwing a big out and they underthrow it. And he's right there underneath, you know, and like an NFL quarterback probably has the ability to get that over top for a completion. Now he's not in a bad spot, but like, if you go through all eight, uh, eight of his interceptions, I think six or eight, whatever it is, even number six. And then, yeah. Yeah. If you go through all of them, I'd say four or five of them are, are kind of like that where it's like kind of, Poor, you know, like there's another one where um the quarterback throws the ball behind the receiver, the receiver is falling down and basically flips it up in the air and it goes right to him, you know. So that's three interceptions where it's kind of like, you know, and then there was another one where it's a fake screen. Um, he bites on it, is able to recover, the quarterback underthrows it and he makes a really nice play on the ball. But if that ball is where it's supposed to be, you know, it's probably a PBU as opposed to an interception. So I, I think that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's not, again, like he have obviously can catch the football well. He's obviously in the right position. He obviously Correct. has good vision. He tackles well. But I personally, have, I've always been a believer that interceptions and sacks are not great indicators of production. The, the, the statistics The statistics go up and down pretty dramatically. So um, don't, don't be like, oh, he's going to have six interceptions here. He's going to be around the football. He's going to put himself in a good position, and he can catch the football if the ball's are. there. I think that's a better way to look right. at
0: it. Yeah, totally. But by the same token, like a bunch of other dudes playing the SEC, bunch of, there's been thousands, hundreds of thousands right. of FBFs players in the history of, of the sport, and nobody has had more pick sixes than Emmanuel Forbes. And so, you know, those guys were also playing college quarterbacks. Those guys were also right. doing all this stuff. And so, um, so it's, I think, again, I think the, to, to your a, point, though, it's just like, he makes the most of the opportunities right. in a way that's better, but there's going to be opportunities that were available to him in college that are not going to be there in the pros. So if you're expecting 10 interceptions out of him in a 17 game season, like let's tamper down your expectations of it.
1: Yeah. And I just think like, that's, that's a really, you word that very well. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's not an indictment of him. It's more of an indictment of this, the the media's obsession with these kind of random statistics. And I think you know, like for sacks, pressure rate is a better indicator. And I think mm. pass breakups are a better indicator for corners. And he's very good in that statistic as well. So it's not like, I just I just don't love those statistics as measures of good cornerback play. I think, you know, like, um, who's the DB in uh, Dallas? Um, uh, Diggs, yeah. Diggs, yeah, you know, he gets a lot of interceptions, but he's, he's also kind of playing the risk-reward game at a very, very high level. And he puts himself in bad spots and he gives up more yards than any other DB in the NFL. You're okay with that because he turns the ball over, but is he... Is he a top ten DB because he gives up the most yard? You know, what I'm saying it's just like there. It's right. it's it, li- it lives in a in an ecosystem. It's not just one stat. But I again, I love him. I love the pick. I think he's an excellent football player. Really impressed him as a young man. And you mentioned the Devontae Smith thing. So in the interview, Fred was like, "Is there somebody you're really looking forward to playing?" And zero, I thought he was going to say AJ Brown, you know, CD Lamb, you know, anybody. I had no idea what he was going to say, but he goes, "I want to play Devonte Smith because he scorched our team for 250 yards." Uh, my freshman year and I want like that's a fluke you know and I just love that competitive like eagerness you know and like the quiet confidence that he had so in terms of the guy great guy in terms of the film great film I think it's a great pick so
0: hey everyone this is Brett Boone would you know it I've got a podcast definitely all right let's uh let's go to Quan Martin the second rounder Jartavius, aka Quan cool. Martin he goes by Quan so we will call him Quan um and then I want to kind of circle back and reset the corner depth chart yeah. going into the spring because I think both these guys are going to be starters on it um what do you make of Quan Martin both of going back to back corner obviously Martin's a nickel um but going back to back corner and the player himself.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, Kwan is more of a – you mentioned nickel. I think that's 100% right. He is a nickel, but he's also a post-safety. plays box safety. He's a guy that literally, I think, fits this defense's vision of what a safety can and should do at an extremely high level. Like, he literally can play, you know, the two safety spots. He can play the nickel. I don't think you want him living as the Buffalo nickel, but he did do that a little bit at – at Illinois, right? And then he even had a couple games, I think it was Michigan where he plays outside as an outside corner. So you just got a guy who's very instinctive, very tough and just an excellent football player. So um I think having a piece like that is really important, right? Because it allows you to kind of say, "Hey, let's much in the same way that there's position flex along the offensive line. It's like, how do we get the best four guys out on the field?" And I think, you know, right now it's like, "Hey, you know cam Crow can play the box safety he can play the post or he can play the post and cam can play the you know uh he can play the box and cam can play the post and it's just it, it, i really like the pick because he's good at all the things so um again like much like Manuel forbes he was a very productive college player with excellent tape quality human being right which you can tell was very important to them because literally every one of these guys i don't know kj henry but and then Christian Rodriguez has some issues, but all of yeah, them. Hen- all the Henry top-
0: was like a team captain. Dabo right. raves about so,
1: and we So we talk about like how that was really important to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, Andre Jones, the last guy was a team captain as well. So it's like that was a big thing. He is that type of guy. So great guy, great film, position flex, tough football player, you know, and he's very quick and instinctive. And I just – I like him a lot, you know. And, again, people say, is it a need – I looked at, at that time when he was picked, he was the best person I had on my board. You know, The offensive lineman had kind of gone through a little bit of a run. The edges had kind of gone through a little bit of a run. And he was far and away the best player. So I think I know they liked him. And it just seems to make a lot of sense to me that he's the pick at, at whatever it was, 47.
0: Yeah, I'm going to update the graphic here, Logan, for those watching on YouTube. We're going to go from cornerback Quan Martin to DB Quan. There we go.
1: I like that. Because much he, he
0: is a guy um, that, well, kind of I think is going to be Slotted in to start at the nickel. you mentioned that position flex, and you know people are starting to get kind of angry Tired about position it. flex yeah. thing on the offensive line, and I get it. like with the offensive line, you can only play one position at once, and like you need a left tackle, you need a left guard, you need a center, you need a right guard, you need right. a right tackle on every single play. You don't interchange. That's not true in defensive back situations Correct. and especially in the modern NFL with so much motion, if you can have him on one side like lined up over a nickel and then there's a, a quick motion and cam curl. And he can exchange responsibilities and he can drop back into the post like that's really advantageous as opposed to feeling like you need to shift your entire formation because he can't handle certain responsibilities and cam can't handle certain ones like you can just have the guys do this quick rotation and everyone knows and understands exactly how that works and it simplifies your defense like you don't need to have you know, one guy per position on that back end, especially in your safeties and your nickels, uh, when you're in that Buffalo, or frankly, like if he, he, he also, uh, if he's kind of got that safety build, you eliminate some of the need for the Buffalo, all the Buffalo yeah. is, is just having a, a safety player or nickel spot. And so if you can have a, a nickel, who's technically a corner who also is fitting your safety spot, like you just keep him on the field most of the time. Right. And, and I think that's really valuable. Um, so with that said. You have Quan Martin, I think, is probably going to enter camp. Like, I mean, I guess technically they're probably not going to give it to him. Like, I'd imagine – like, I wouldn't be surprised if the first snap in August goes to Danny Johnson out of respect for Danny because he's a vet, unless Martin is just clearly the better player all spring long. But certainly when they go to OTAs here next week or two weeks, whatever it is, like – Martin's gonna, or Danny, Danny probably gets the first snap. And as Martin learns the defense, he's got a great chance to go in. But let's say by the time we're like in the middle of training camp and starters really mm. start, you know, start to clear themselves, what do you think the depth chart looks like inside and outside at corner for this team?
1: Yeah. So if I was just putting money on it, just, you know, based enough film, and obviously there, there's a little bit of projection, but I think Forbes starts outside. I think Benjamin St. Jude starts outside. And then I think, um, I really believe that you're probably looking at Cam Curl and Quan starting at safeties and then maybe Percy Butler as like your Buffalo nickel. Where does Forrest fit in? I think Forrest, I think maybe moves into like a true. So they, they, I was talking to the safety coach a couple of days ago and they do have a different categorization for the Buffalo nickel. And I think Forrest fits that better than anyone else on the roster. Now he didn't feel comfortable doing it last year. He was much better off the ball, like in that quarters look. Um, But if he can grow and kind of address that physicality into that Buffalo nickel role, I do think he becomes that guy for you. And I think that would be great. And I think Percy has some nickel skills, but then again, like because of the flexibility, you can say, I think Percy's outstanding in the post. He's awesome in the post. So let him play the post. And when. And then Quan can play the nickel when they're all in the field together. So I think that's what's nice about this is that you allow, you elevate the back end by saying Forrest is best at this, Percy's best at this, and Cam's best at this. And we can take reps off Cam. I, th- I think that was a big part of this pick as well is because you know Cam's been hurt the past two years and the defense tanks when he's not in there. So can we take some of those kind of box plays off of his plate? And I think you have two guys and Percy and Forrest who can do that. And I think Quan can do that. It's just about finding... And again, that's why the pick is so perfect for the back end of this defense. It allows you to keep Cam healthy and allows you to get a speak to those other young guys' skill sets at a really, really high level because I think they're really high on those guys as well. And so now it's like, now we can just bring the best people to the party, put them in the best positions to be successful. So I do think it'll be kind of an amalgamation there of, of, of skill sets. But I think everyone you're going to get the best from all four of those guys and they're going to play a lot. So obviously... The odd man out here is kind of Kendall Fuller, and I think he might get the first crack at nickel. But I think when it's all when all the dust settles, it'll look like a version of those four safeties filling out those back end spots.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm still not convinced that Kendall's on the roster by the time opening day comes around.
1: I, I'm not. I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, I, I like always. They'll, always they'll give right. him a shot, and right. he deserves that.
0: And yes. and Kendall Fuller, I like. I think we need to separate two things, right? We need to separate the contract and the football player. Kendall Fuller did a good job last year. He had a yep. good season, like full stop. He had yep. some plays made on him. He wasn't great. He, he shouldn't have gotten pro bowl nods. He should have been yep. all pro consideration, but like Kendall Fuller was a good football player last year. He made a lot of plays. He helped win them some games. Um, certainly got plays made on him. Some of them were just incredible plays by the receivers right. where he's in good position. Um, but he also can save you eight million dollars in a su- if you cut him in a summer where you're trying to extend Cam Curl, and right. you might be trying to do something with Montez Sweat potentially. Like there's a lot of moving pieces here, and now you know as we'll get to like Chase Roulier also could save you a lot of money, and I think he's probably very likely uh, to have something happen with his works. contract, yeah. whether it's a restructure or whether it's just a flat out cut. Like we'll see, but Fuller that if you cut him, like you save. million. And at this point, I think that makes a lot of mathematical sense. I'm not saying they have to. I'm not saying it's irresponsible if they don't. Um, I would love if Kendall stayed around because he's a vet who knows how to play. He knows how to study. He'd be a great influence on that room. And as we've talked about extensively on this podcast, there are not enough veterans in the NFL. There are not enough guys who are in rooms to be kind of quasi coach leader types Mentor, and Kendall Fuller. Right? Absolutely. And but Kendall's also, not, I don't even know if he's 30 yet. So it's not like he's yeah. ancient. Um, he would be a great influence on that room. But I do wonder if if he winds up not just being odd man out of the rotation, um, but potentially odd man out in terms of the roster as well, as you try to put that together and think about special teams and all that kind of stuff. But he'll absolutely be around for the spring um, or at least to start it, and uh, then you go from there. At least I would think.
1: I would. I think. think you said that really nicely because, like you know, he, he did a he did a fine. It wasn't great, it wasn't bad. It was kind of right in the middle. And there's a lot of people who live right in the middle in the NFL. And um, you know, I like Kendall. He's a good dude. I played with him as a rookie, and you know, he says hi to me around the building. Awesome guy. But great this dude. is one of the this is one of the kind of the dark sides of the NFL, right? And usually, when you're bringing in this type of draft capital and this kind of quality player. And these guys, both of these guys have high upsides, Quan and Emmanuel, like you're kind of like, well, someone's got to go. And that's, that's tough and that's sad, but ultimately that's the sad truth of, of this business. So um, we'll see what happens, but I definitely think that is a possibility and it's more, it's a more acute a possibility now than it was obviously before the draft. So Right.
0: Right. And by the way, these kinds of things can also work in your favor. There's a guy starting at left tackle right now that the commanders got a couple years ago because the Bears did the same exact thing. And so, you know, as we move to the offensive line here in a second, people are mad that they didn't draft certain positions there. They're not done signing guys. Um, Just as they'll let guys go, they'll ultimately probably bring a couple of more guys in.